Έτσι, φίλοι μου, η ώρα μα έχει πάει 8 λεπτά μετά τι 12 και με μεγάλη μα χαρά καλωσορίζουμε τη γιατρό που έχουμε συνηθίσει και αγαπήσει εδώ στα 1422 μεσαία κύματα να την ακούμε κάθε Παρασκευή. Dr. Dispin Adrianas, who is with us every Friday at around 12 o'clock, it really has been something we've gotten used to. She's a specialist physician and endocrinologist, and we welcome her very warmly to 1422 AM. Good morning, Dr. Adrianas. Good day. Hello, Yula. How are you? Thank you all well. All well. We're, another week has gone past, and of course, it's been level four, and we've been waiting to see the numbers go up. They have, of course. We've also been waiting for your update on what you guys have learned as doctors, your community, in this last week. So, how's it been going? Yula, you know, interestingly, we're still sitting with the hospital admission rate not being that high. Mm. The South African mortality rate is still sitting at about 1.9%, whereas the global mortality rate is sitting at 6.9%. Wow. So our numbers are still low. If we look at Kauteng, we've got about 46 patients in private hospitals, 24 in public hospitals. But we're going to see these numbers increasing during our winter months. Mm. What I've and actually been watching now, here, and I've been reading this um, uh, from uh, um, Salim uh, Abdul Karim, and he was saying that uh, maybe we're going to get our, our lives back to normal for the next two to three months, kind of back to normal, but then we may see ourselves really going to level five again in July. Is this what um, the uh, doctors are thinking? So if we even just look what happened with the Spanish flu in 1918, there were three ways over a two to three year period. So we are predicting that we're going to relax social distancing and lockdown policies. As we see rapid escalation of the curve and we start to worry that our healthcare facilities are going to be overwhelmed, mm. we're then definitely going to see more stringent lockdown policies coming back into place. Right. So we, we hope within the next 12 to 18 months that we do have the successful vaccination, a successful treatment protocol, because that would then decrease the number of months and years we're going to spend in and out of sick lockdown. Mm. But it's still too easy to, it's still too early to, to actually predict how the pandemic is going to play out. Right. If we maybe just look at the Northern Hemisphere, I think we'll be able to understand what will happen there, because they are now, they got The, they, they were hit with a pandemic towards the end of their winter months. Mm. So it was more February and March. March was actually even the beginning of spring for them, yeah. where they saw their numbers increase, the, the death rates happening, the, the panic ensuing. But now a lot of the countries are relaxing lockdown. Greece is contemplating allowing tourists from certain countries that have stringent COVID-19 mm. management protocols being allowed to enter the country from the 1st of July. Unfortunately, I don't see South Africa on the list because I did look on the list. <laughs> of course we I did. I don't find us that may change oh, going forward word. because I do think we've had very successful stringent policies put yes. in place to help manage the pandemic. Hmm. I'm not sure if we've yes. lost you, Dr. Adrianus. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you again. So we may then see in October, November that Greece is then forced back into strict lockdown mm. again. Right. So we're a couple, I think about maybe one or two months behind the Northern Hemisphere, let's, let's probably say yeah. one month. So we'll be able to see if indeed the numbers go down in summer mm. and how they will then behave when the autumn and winter months come if they do then start putting 
their population back into stringent lockdown. Yeah. It really has helped us that we've had um, other countries ahead of us. Unfortunately for them, fortunately for us, we've been able to kind of take those measures quickly and keep those numbers down, it seems. We have been fortunate from that mm. point of view. And even from the, the treatment protocol point of view, they get tried and tested in other countries. And then we get the updated trials and research. Mm. And we don't repeat the same mistakes that yes. maybe were repeated in other countries. Right. So of interest, I attended a webinar yesterday mm. on um, updated management protocols of coronavirus that was conducted by doctors from China, Italy, USA and States. Mm. So very interesting uh, information came out of that webinar. I'll, I'll give you the, the one point was that massive use of hydroxychloroquine in the city. Yes. So that seems now, lots of trials have come out and they're starting to prove that it's got quite fatal side effects in many patients and serious complications. So a lot of countries have actually done away with giving hydroxychloroquine with a zithromycin wow. ill patients. So you say that it's even got fatal uh, complications. It does. In a lot of elderly predisposed patients, yeah. they are the population group that lands up in hospital. Mm. So a month ago, two months ago, let, let's say maybe beginning of March, when there was that whole frenzy on hydroxychloroquine, America started to push it out and, and some European countries. Mm. And then they started to report the complications. So we in South Africa now are privy to all those trials and the information that has come out mm. of treatment with these meds in other countries. Same thing with the antiretroviral. Right. Uh, about five, six weeks ago, they were claiming that they were so beneficial but some of the trials coming out now are, are a bit dubious as to how effective they really are. Sure. That, that is quite interesting. As, uh, as we're learning, of course, we can, uh, obviously you're going to be helping your patients more like that. But really interesting because people had such hope for those um, I'll, treatments. I'll tell you, one of my patients was given hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin when she went to hospital. And she's been discharged and she's over 75 and the treatment was successful, but then okay. they say that maybe it wasn't the hydroxychloroquine, it was just the natural course of the disease. Mm. But I would still, if we don't have any other treatment, give a reduced dose of hydroxychloroquine to my patients, either with or without azithromycin, probably with, but I would make an informed decision based on the comorbidity and, and what is required. Right. So you've had patients then that have recovered very, very well. I have had, and I've known of my other colleagues that have had patients that have recovered well, being treated at home. A lot of them have been on azithromycin with or without the hydroxychloroquine. Some patients were even given classes. Okay. So I, I think the best thing for each patient is if there is an individual treatment protocol, your doctor is the best person to decide a lot of duties are managing their patients at home who are positive yep. for coronavirus. Okay. With an Okay. And they have, even in this webinar that I attended, they just show that maybe a zithromycin, the antibiotic, is helpful because it's got these anti inflammatory effects on the lips. So it helps decrease the inflammation. Okay. And when we first started talking, it was a, a whole hype about not giving patients cortisone. But what I learned yesterday is that they are still using low dose cortisone. Um, for these critically ill patients. So a couple of weeks, everybody was saying avoid cortisone, 
Now, lethal prednisone, which is a type of cortisone, is being given to people who are severely short of breath or, mm. or need it. It must be and a really, another a really, as well. okay. So, yeah. so, so it, it, we are lucky from the point of view that we are getting trials from countries that have had patients two months before we did. Still a very frustrating time for doctors, I imagine, because you're hearing one thing on the one hand and then trials happen and the results aren't exactly what one hoped for. So quite a frustrating time, I would imagine. It is, but thankfully most of us are experienced enough that if we do see that there are complications on the hydroxychloroquine, we either initiate it and reduce it or we stop. Okay. So most South African doctors are very well-trained and, and able to pick up when we need to stop, change treatment, give half a dose, not give it at all. Mm. There were two other agents that came out with a lot of promising trials being remdesivir. We've spoken about that before in another agent, Tocilizumab. We yeah. have those in South Africa. So uh, the Tocilizumab, we have the remdesivir, I think is a little bit hard to sort. But mm. we, I have had a patient admitted into a hospital in the northern suburbs where they did give the patient sofilizumab. So mm. what they were discussing yesterday is that a lot of these therapies have shown to help those critically ill patients that land up in hospitals. And what hasn't changed is we have discussed before mm. that 80% of patients will get mild to moderate disease. 20% will have severe complications and 5% land up in ICU or a ventilator. So those patients that are in that critical, severe category get the remdesivir, tocilizumab, and, they, and, and a lot have done well. Okay. And we've Research seen... some good results in ventilator patients as well. Okay. Even in South Africa, we haven't seen the Africa, death rate be very high. I mean, it's been we've really encouraging that. Um, we've had the results. And, then and the, another thing yes. they're using overseas, which they discussed a lot yesterday when I was on that webinar, was that plasma therapy. Yes, so that's that what I wanted to ask gains a lot of global acceptance. And what is that? So what happens is they take plasma, they take blood from patients who have recovered mm. from COVID-19 illness. They extract the plasma, they then give it via a drip into very critically ill patients. And it's a sort of a passive immunization because... Patients that have had coronavirus and developed COVID-19 illness mm. have antibodies in their plasma. And they're hoping by giving those antibodies to sick people, it helps immobilize, sorry, mobilize their immune system to fight the virus. Okay. So let, let's call it a passive vaccine. Mm, it's almost like a vaccine, in other words. Mm. And, and are they seeing then that people are have forming antibodies when they've had the coronavirus? Because that was another discussion still, that we're just not yeah. sure about. So it's been a little bit early to speculate, but they have seen, they have seen positive outcomes significant enough for it to adopt widespread global usage. Mm. So a lot more things, medical centers are going to start to use plasma from recovered patients. So remember we previously discussed why a patient with coronavirus is tested negative a couple of days or weeks later, then tests positive. Is that reinfection? Yes. We were discussing that last week. So yes. what all these scientists and doctors suggested when I was listening yesterday is that there may, it may be a false positive result because there may be a lot of genetic material from the dead virus that still remains behind for mm. weeks to months. They're still not sure. 
Okay. It may just be a reactivation of the same viral illness, but they're not sure about the infection. What they are predicting is a majority of patients develop immunity that lasts for a few months to a few years. Okay. It's still too early, but they, they are always updating our information. They're continuously uh, running tests. And now when I think the, the world starts to roll out their antibody tests, it will definitely give us a lot more information. And because we're about a month behind, we'll then find out are these mm. antibody tests, the serology tests that they're doing, are they indeed beneficial in seeing who does have immunity? Right, that's that's great, great news. Um, doctors, I think, must have started off in more of a panic. Do you see an easing in that? Do you see that doctors are a little bit more comfortable now with um, the facts of uh, coronavirus and how to deal with patients? I think doctors are more comfortable. PPE is the the thing that makes most doctors uncomfortable. So, if the majority of medical, all health and healthcare personnel have PPE, then they're able to conduct. Their, their job more adequately without PPE, it's very difficult to see patients. How has and that been going? Have the um, doctors got access to that? Well, in the private health sector they do, and in the public they definitely have a lot more PPE than they did a few weeks ago, and more on order, so a lot of PPE has arrived okay. into the country. Okay, good, so, so at least. Things, and, and because we went into such a lockdown, it did get hospitals a chance to recruit health care workers, to open up your hospital, to mm. train the medical staff as to driving and dropping equipment, so how to put it on, how to take it off, mm. sterilizing centers. You know, what we heard in the news a couple of weeks ago about all these major hospital outbreaks, I don't feel we're going to hear it going forward okay. because now every patient that enters a hospital is treated as if they're positive. Mm. I remember when I was an intern, every patient had was HIV positive until proven otherwise. So we had to try wear gloves, not handle their body fluids, okay. things like that, because at that stage, that was the epidemic that we were fighting. Right. Um, I another, th- yes, yes, hmm? carry on. Another interesting thing, Yula, and uh, a lot of people have asked me about it, is this Madagascan coronavirus shot. Have you heard about that? We've heard that lots of different coronaviruses could be uh, coming our way, so I think we are a little bit panicked about that. So... No, more the, the natural piece that oh, okay. President Rajulina. So it's, it's, it's had a lot of media interest. Yes. And what it is, is a tonic that was developed in Madagascar. So this is a treatment that you're talking it's, about? It's herbal. It's okay, herbal. okay. It's used, they, they use a plant and they've made a herbal tea. And the president of Madagascar is claiming that it's a cure for coronavirus. Mm. So what they've used, interestingly, is a herb from the plant Artemisia. So Artemisia is a plant that's grown in Africa, very readily available in South Africa, that they've actually used to treat malaria. And traditional doctors have used it for other flu-like illnesses. So it will be very interesting to watch what happens with this Artemisia flu-like South Africa has actually said that they're prepared to help Madagascar with scientific studies to analyze the food that they're using. And a lot of countries have actually ordered this one. 
That is very interesting. And, and, and once again, we <laughs> see people come together. And it's quite lovely yeah. because now, obviously, there's the alternative medicines and uh, our traditional, uh, you know, Western medicine that's coming together, which again is something that I think would be very beneficial in the long run. Um, what about <laughs> patients that have um, other issues? They've got other medical conditions and they're really scared to be taking care of themselves at this time. I've read articles that people have been dying because they haven't been going for their checkups or for all the other things that they usually did before coronavirus. What is your advice um, along those lines? What should people be doing? So that is true, you know. I think people are so petrified about catching coronavirus and developing COVID-19 illness that mm. they are neglecting their chronic illnesses. So they're not going for those regular checkups for their diabetes or their lung condition, hypertension. Even certain cancers, I mean, patients may be scared now to go into chemotherapy mm. because it's going to lower their immune system. So I would just urge patients to contact their doctor and to find out, does their doctor offer a telemedical consult to be able to determine if they need to go and physically see a doctor for an ECG, for a lung function, for, um, for an assessment to see. Mm. With the cancers that got to speak to their oncologist, most oncology centers are still giving chemotherapy. They take a very stringent, uh, they've got very stringent rules in, in, in order. They start as meticulous about hygiene. You know, they, they have a protocol of social distance and wearing masks. And a lot of the cancer patients are used to wearing masks, hand sanitizing, avoiding sick people. So, right. People do need to look after the chronic illnesses mm. because if they don't, they've got a much higher mortality rate from their chronic illness than they do from coronavirus. Right. People that are, another thing that came out of this webinar before we say everybody over 65, but what they actually showed in Italy is that people over 80 with comorbid diseases were actually dying from coronavirus. And a lot was because the hospitals weren't accepting it for treatment. What do you mean? Why weren't they accepting them? In Italy, there was this, because they didn't practice social distancing early, there was a huge burden on mm, the health facility. And they actually passed this policy that mm. if you are under 65, they would then give you the ventilators, put you in high yes. care. But if they didn't have a bed for you and you were over 80, uh, at some stage I even had heard over 65, uh, but I'm not mm. sure about that. Mm. But if you were really elderly, they were triaging patients. Right. So South Africa, I mean, what, what we did by putting that strict social distancing in place early, mm. we then bought time for patients so that if they needed the ventilators, the hospitalisation, they were then able to access medical care. Right. So we didn't have everybody falling ill at the same time, rushing to hospital and overwhelming. I think I think we've all accepted that that has been a great benefit of this lockdown. Many have been the negative parts of it, but that has been one of the great benefits that it's brought our okay. uh, medical personnel time, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to you know kind of uh, do better when the numbers do start to rise. So that's certainly. What about people that have something that's bothering them? Say you've got a mole on your face and you're thinking it's not looking great, but now should you delay and go after the coronavirus lockdown, or should you just say I'm? going to go now? If there's a troublesome mole, you have to then rather go and see your dermatologist a lot earlier than waiting for the pandemic to end 
which can then take two years. Mm. So all medical practices have policies in place. So you have to go there with a mask. You have to hand sanitize before you go in. There will be no patients allowed to wait in the reception area. Okay. And all the surfaces are then sterilized. The doctor will be in a mask goggles. The dermatology centers generally have a low risk of exposure because if people then fall ill, they generally don't go to the dermatologist. But if you are that asymptomatic carrier where you can transmit the virus two days before you show symptoms or you never develop symptoms, if you go and you're wearing a mask, and even if the dentist takes your mask in, I'm sorry, the dermatologist takes the mask off when you're in the, the doctor's room, there aren't really aerosol procedures at the dermatologist to mm. increase your risk of exposure. So it's a very low risk. Okay. And if you practice hand hygiene and mm. you wear a mask and you only take it off when you need to and then put the hand sanitizer on, you, you will be sick. Okay, so you're and saying you still go. And it then starts to spread, mm. it is a problem. I mean, what about, we've got people that will go for their yearly mammograms and everything. Now they might be thinking, let me rather go next year or something. So that's also you know, a concern. In level, four, in level four, not all mammography centers are open. Mm. So, yeah, so it is a problem. If there is something, though, that's worrying you, call your doctor. And we can always get an emergency breast ultrasound or breast MRI. Okay. Um, there are things that can be done. And there may still be some centers that, that will offer emergencies. You know, we can call the radiologist. We can tell the radiologist this is an emergency. Mm. The patient found a lump. Then the doctor checks the breast. The doctor's worried. Or there's nostalgia mm. that you're worried about. Or nipple discharge. I think I also in, worry in about the fact time. that people may not have any kind of symptom. And, you know, you go for your yearly checkup so that you can catch it early. And now people are delaying those checkups. And yeah, I think that's a problem. Most of those mammography centers will be open. Mm. And we will be able to have them. Generally, if there are no alarm signs, a two or three month delay shouldn't really affect okay. breast cancer. But of course, self-examination for women is vital. Mm. If we say once a month, you have to check the breast. Right. In a, in a clock, you know, Google this self-examination of breast. Mm. If you feel something you're worried about, go and see your doctor. Let them do a breast examination. Definitely also check your armpits. Do you feel lymph nodes? If there's something new, a lot of the, the self-examination requests, if they're done every month, you are then able to pick up those abnormal lump bumps. Nipple discharge is in the long term, mm. if you have to call your doctor. Some women, you have, I'm sorry, some women have nipple discharge from something called ductosphagia. But, of course, if you worry, please just get in touch with your doctor. Mm. Don't wait until the pandemic ends. Well, I think that's because the important advice. looking at two or three years. Yeah, that's the, that's the good advice. If we're lucky and we have a vaccine in 12 months, that's fantastic. Mm. But there's certain chronic diseases and certain acute diseases that cannot wait. If you have less cardiac pain, you, you worry that you, you can't breathe, you, your pulse rate starts, even if it's anxiety. Phone mm. the doctor, tell the doctor, these are my symptoms. What do you advise me to do? If they worry, they'll call you in for an urgent PCD, urgent blood test. Because the best way to prevent heart damage from a heart attack is to pick up the ischemia, the lack of oxygen to the heart, before you have the heart attack. Right. 
I think so, these are very important points that people have to note and please not leave any condition that they are worried about until the coronavirus scares over or reality of it. Um, yes, anything yes, else yes. that we need to wrap up with today, Dr. Adranis? Back on the smoking, you know, you know everybody's up in, in arms now because the, the smoking is still banned yes. during the lockdown and they can't access right. the cigarettes because people are still telling you they feel that if they smoke, they're not going to get coronavirus. Uh because of something they read on social media or a small or a suggestion that came out of some French doctors. Yes. So I just want to end off by saying smoking increases inflammation in the lungs and damages your lungs. So in a time where we want to decrease inflammation in the lungs so that even if we do test positive for the novel coronavirus, we don't develop serious hypoxia and pneumonia, Mm. It, it's very important to actually believe what doctors have been saying for decades, that smoking does harm your lungs, smoking affects the immune system, can cause cancer. So, no, the, I think maybe 99.9% of doctors and scientists worldwide will tell you smoking is not beneficial okay. in preventing coronavirus. Okay. Well, I think it's an important point as well to make. Um, always, you bring us the latest. And we thank you very much for the webinars that you've been attending and bringing us that information, for all the help that you've been giving all our Hellenic uh, listeners, and not only, and, of course, for your time here on Hellenic Radio. We really do appreciate that. Have a beautiful weekend, and thank you very much. I hope we'll chat to you again next Friday. Thank you, Yola. appreciate the call. I'll see you soon. Thank Bye-bye. you so much. Bye. Bye. Σε μια καινούρια ημέρα! Πρωινή ακτίνα με μένα τη Γιούλα Πανταζή. Ευχαριστούμε φίλοι μου την γιατρό. Dr. Despina Adrianis, of course, our specialist physician and endocrinologist, and we thank her very much for her time here on Hellenic Radio.